The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And how are you doing this week, Corey? You know, I'm. <laughs> it was a short week, but gosh, it felt really long. But how are you? I am good. Um, still kind of fighting this cold. It's kind of gone, but it's kind of not. And um, Kathy caught it, which doesn't happen as often as it oh, probably no. should. And it's really uh, kicking her butt, which is unusual. Um Usually I'm kind of the baby with colds, like, you know, I get sick and I want everyone to take care of me kind of thing. Um, That's a man thing. Yeah, I hear that, Uh, but she's, this cold's kicking her butt where she's like, she's not still looking to be taken care of, but she's also a little whinier than she normally would be with the cold. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not, I don't mean it as an insulting thing, it's just kind of like, wow, this is really bad if she's getting, you know, whiny about it, so. Mm -hmm. Oh, I get whiny. I'm not judging. (laughs) Um, but I haven't been able to, uh, you know, since I started teaching the college class, I do have to limit myself a little bit with movies and then I'm the movie pass being garbage now and having switched to AMC. Um, I'm always a little behind with new releases, uh, from where I was and it's kind of bugging me, but I still managed to see five movies counting the movie we'll be talking about tonight. Um, which listeners, this is a new month. It's September. Uh, 2018 and our theme for the month are musicals and uh, we've got a few that we've never seen that are big name um, including this week's uh, episode we're going to be talking about the Phantom of the Opera from 2004 um, we'll get into that in a little bit but before we do we like to kind of look back at what we've been watching uh, I'll start with Corey um, what have you been watching since the last time we spoke oh heck um so I've been re-watching the Autopsy series from HBO from, like, the 90s. I think it went into the early mm-hmm. 2000s. Maybe a lot of people don't know this, but I wanted to grow up and be a medical examiner, and it's still oh. very intriguing and very interesting to me, but I don't like the politics behind it, so mm. that's where I stand with that. And then, because most places it's an elected position and all kinds oh. of things. interesting. Yeah, um... And you, most places, you don't even have to have a certain, like, amount of education to become the medical examiner. So, um, mm. so I've been rewatching that, and I also had time to sneak in a couple movies. I saw The Little Stranger, which I'm surprised we didn't talk about. Yes, we have not spoken about. Um, we won't speak about on here because it is still in uh, limited release. But that is Lenny Abrahamson's new film. Um, we should just do like a bonus episode for that one or something. But um, I also saw that last Saturday. Um, did you like it at least? I really did. Yeah. Yeah, I also um, cared for it quite a bit. It was beautiful. Um, Domhnall Gleeson is in everything ever. That's good that I like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a good actor. Yeah. But I also went and saw The Nun last night on opening night. I saw that you did that, and that's unusual for you for uh, opening night and for a horror movie. Yeah, we saw it in IMAX, though, so 
that helps. Yeah, I'm seeing it on. Uh, I'm seeing it tomorrow. Well, we record this on Fridays. I'm seeing it on Saturday at the uh, in the Dolby Digital Theater at the Disney Springs AMC. Oh, so. nice. Um, yeah. So there's what I've been watching. Not a whole lot. What do you think of the Nun? So I feel bad for every movie. A, I feel ridiculous saying that it's a horror universe because I just feel like that's so. <coughs> I don't yep. know. It's extra. It's a little ridiculous. But um, I, you know, there. I think that The Conjuring set the high the bar so high that anything that comes after it just doesn't stand a chance. Mm. Um, I still liked it. I think that they try too hard with all these other movies to tie them in. Uh yeah. But you know, it was still enjoyable. I think that it's fun in the theaters. It's fun to go see with people who might get scared a little easier. I don't know why I think that's fun, but mm. Well, I am I hope I enjoy it. Um I wasn't a big fan of uh The Conjuring 2 compared to the first one. I definitely liked the second one. And then I still haven't seen Annabelle, but I've heard not to bother with it. Um I've seen the second one, which is the prequel. Uh, so I've seen like what was it? Annabelle Creation, which I thought was yeah. good. Um, I like that one, and so I don't know. The trailer for the Nun looks pretty bad, in my opinion. So I'm kind of apprehensive about it. But I like the setting that it takes place in, though, a lot. Um, I think that that's pretty cool. I think that it's it's worth your time, and I feel like to have this many movies coming out, what you know, that all string from this. I don't True. know the same. The, they're still not bad. Well, um, on Saturday I saw The Little Stranger. I also saw Searching with John Cho, which if that's playing oh. near you, I highly recommend you see that. I Do thought you? it was really great. Oh, yeah. It's super, super compelling, a really good mystery, and it's got um, Deborah Messing is also in it. Oh. And uh, it's, it's another all-on-the-computer screen movie. But um, the guy, uh, I'm going to forget his name, um, the guy who directed it um, used to do commercials for Google, so like a lot of that was all on computer screen anyways. Um, oh. What's his name? Uh, Anish Chaganti. And um, so he takes like what Unfriended did, but he increases the cinematography or the cinematic storytelling a lot. Like, there, he uses close-ups. He doesn't just... It's not just the full screen the entire time. Like, he'll move you around the screen like you would in a movie or in a location, you know? So it's it feels more cinematic than a lot of those other ones. And then you have terrific performances from John Cho and Deborah Messing. And um, uh, I'm going to forget her name, too. There's a the young girl that plays his daughter is uh, Michelle Law. Um, is also very, very good. And... Uh, I really liked the movie a whole lot. Um, and then, uh, Juliet Naked, you haven't had a chance to see? No, and I really want to see it. Is it playing near you? Yeah, and it, so first it started out the flicks, mm-hmm. and we were going to go see it, but I wasn't feeling well the day we were going to go see it uh, last week, but now it's playing at the at my, like, Edwards. Which is the thing, you don't like the flicks, right? So. Well, they're a little bit better now, it's a little bit better, um, mm. but I would rather it's it's like watching a movie in my living room though <laughs> you know oh, got it. It, there some of them are very small like not exaggerating that some of the screening rooms maybe have like 50 or 60 seats they're oh. very narrow like the <coughs> screen the whole room is the width of the screen so mm-hmm. i mean 
if it's in one of their two, they have four screening rooms. If it's in one or two, it's fine. But if it's in three or four, it's got not. it. Well, um, I saw Juliet Naked and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it is a Nick Hornsby book. Um, you know, so he wrote High Fidelity, which is uh, an all-time fave of mine. And uh, Ethan Hawke has becoming one of my favorite actors. The more I see with him, which I've seen quite a few, but I still haven't seen the Before trilogy, which I feel like I need to knock off my checklist. Like, oh, I thought it. you had watched some of those. I own all three, but I've not watched any of them yet because I want to watch them kind of in succession. Um, yeah. And it's also, uh, I want to watch it with Kathy because it's supposed to, you know, it's a romance and I, you know, think she would get something out of it too, but we've, we've not sat and, get, and talked about it. But um, Rose Byrne is the lead though, really in the movie. And she's terrific. And Chris O'Dowd, who I always <gasps> just find I, so, so charming. I've only seen him in Bridesmaids unless you can tell oh. me something else, but I just rewatched that. Oh, I love him. He's in um, the IT crowd. Which, if you've not seen on Netflix, you totally should watch. It's not a Netflix series, but it's a BBC series, and it was on Netflix. Um, terrific sitcom from uh, from England. Oh, it's so, so funny. Um, I'd highly recommend that. And let's see. He's in a bunch of stuff that I like. Um, I, for, I often forget. Uh, he was in Molly's Game, but that's not a performance that I would, like, swear by. Um, let's see here. Uh, did you see This is 40? No, I don't think so. I like that movie. It's not perfect, but um, it's a it's the sequel to. Um, oh no, I haven't. Knocked up. Sorry, my brain was not clicking. Um, yeah, and then uh, he does a voice, I think, in Mrs. Peregrine's um, home. You know, for peculiar children or something, <laughs> and then. Uh, he's in St. Vincent, but he's just a, he's the teacher in St. Vincent, so he's not a major character. I feel like he's done more. I'm looking at his uh, letterbox, and it's like, well, I guess I just love him from the IT crowd, mainly, because that's... <laughs> the, and, I mean, he, I think he's great in Bridesmaids, but... He um, is. And he's really good in, in uh, Juliet Naked, I thought. Um, that's what I saw at AMC last Saturday with my A-list, and I did those uh, all in succession, all in regular screenings though like tomorrow i'm going to see um kin with uh uh jeremy rayner who i'm a big fan of he was in sing street you know the older brother in sing street and Mm -hmm. i don't think it's getting great reviews i'm not super stoked about going to it but um i'm seeing that and then uh the nun and the dolby digital screening and then i'm seeing operation finale with you know oscar isaac and ben kingsley at the uh dine-in theater tomorrow so um, looking forward to, uh, another long day at the theater. And then, um, but this week, Corey, I don't know what came over me if I'm just trying to like knock through, um, Ryan Gosling's, uh, filmography, but I finally watched Nicholas Winding Refn's, um, Only God Forgives. Oh God, I couldn't watch that. Uh, really? You tried and couldn't or? I did. Ah, yeah. He, Refn and I have a very, um, frustrating relationship, um. I, I really love Drive, like, a lot. Yeah, it's so good. And Neon Demon bothered me uh, at a level that I just can't get past, um, mainly because of some really gross stuff that happens at the end of the movie. And then uh, Only God Forgives is interesting. Um, it's visually, you know, very, very stunning. Um, 
he's got a really cool aesthetic that I like. Even like it's a neon aesthetic. He uses it yeah. literally in Neon Demon. Um, and I, I like that, but I do find his movies either, um, very hard to, to get in one viewing. Um, not, not drive. Like I feel like in drive has the neon aesthetic too, but, um, drive is much more straightforward of a story and only God forgives does some stuff that I just don't even get. Like I read some of the plot synopsises and I'm like, where, where did you get this information? Like, cause they're like saying all this stuff and if you watch the movie, I mean, it's most of it's there, but I feel like it's it takes so long to fill in blanks, and then it's just like these big exposition dumps. But it's not supposed to be about what the plot is. Like it's you know, if you read, there's some real like very adamant defenders of the film, and I've read some of their thoughts, and I don't know, I'm not I'm not sold on the movie. I think Gosling is doing his like stoic performance that you see him doing things where he's like kind of emotionless. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I, that's how he is as a person. Maybe, but it's a ninety-minute film, and it did not feel like ninety minutes. It felt much longer, and I'm okay with pa- like slower-paced movies. But um, I feel like I need to be rewarded when I when it's a slow-paced film, like with some kind of story or something that that moves me. And I was not connected with what was happening in Only God Forgives. And maybe I need to give it another watch. I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. Um, but. That was that, and then I watched The Phantom of the Opera, which is what we're going to get into uh, next, unless there's anything you'd like to discuss. No. There is one thing I guess we should discuss. Um, <clears throat> did you see who died uh, yesterday? Mac Miller? Oh, and Bert. Ma- oh, sorry. It was Mac Miller died today. Mac Miller did die today. Um, Burt Reynolds yesterday. Burt Reynolds, which, I mean, of the two, Mac Miller is much sadder as his was, his life was much, much He's 26, younger. but it was drugs. Yeah. And, like... You know, um, but yeah, Burt Reynolds, eighty-two. He lived quite a life. It's hard to uh, to be too upset um, about his passing, but still sad. We just watched Boogie Nights a few months ago, um, which is I've I've actually never seen Smokey and the Bandit, and no. and I've never watched Deliverance either. Um, I know a lot about Deliverance, and that's part of the reason why I've never watched it. But um, yeah. there's a movie though that he just did. I'm trying to find. Oh, I thought he just did. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I swear he just did a movie where he plays like a character that's based on himself. Oh. I'm trying to remember the guy. The guy who directed it was on Douglas Movies when he was talking about it, and well, I'll have to do some research because I, I thought it would be on his top, but neither of these movies sound like the movie I thought it was. Oh, um, who was I reading? Like a blurb. They were talking about Burt Reynolds. Um, oh, they were in Boogie Nights. I, maybe it was. It's um, I think it's the last movie star. It's from last year, but an aging former movie star is forced to face the reality that his glory days are behind him. On its surface, the film is a tale about faded fame. At its core, it's a universal story about growing old. And um, Adam Rifkin is the director, and he was on Douglas Movies promoting the movie. But um, it sounds it sounded. Uh, like it could be pretty good and um Chevy Chase is also in it apparently and uh, Clark Duke who I'm a fan of um it doesn't have the best meta score but that does it's only got a few critic reviews so um it's something I kind of want to look into now uh that he's passed and I I definitely need to give Smoking the Bandit a go but it's just never one that really like appealed to my sensibilities you know 
but um what about you um are you connected to burt reynolds other than boogie nights or Uh, not myself i am pretty sure my grandma was a fan when i was a kid but i don't really remember that you know i feel like most of his movies i didn't ever really feel i don't know compelled to watch so then when we watched um boogie nights it really kind of threw me yeah i really liked him in boogie nights a whole lot yeah he was great Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that any of his other performances aren't either it's just that i don't know from what i thought of him and you know i just wasn't kind of expecting him to play a performance like that yeah yeah which is probably ignorant but well sad sad whenever when anyone we look up to dies and i well again i'm not a huge fan i definitely respect the work that i've seen and like you said boogie nights i was really really impressed with what i got to see of that um of course that movie in general kind of impressed me um with when i'm watching it with adult eyes you know and like really getting what was being said about the film and Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's it for uh, the pre part of the show. We're going to get into the review of the Phantom of the Opera. Um, 2004's. 2004's Phantom of the Opera, uh, directed by Joel Schumacher. Uh, stars uh, Gerard Butler, Emma Rosem, um, Emmy Rosem, excuse me, Patrick Wilson, Miranda Richardson, Minnie Driver, um, who I barely recognize, mind you. Uh, Syrian Hines, who I completely recognize, Simon Callow, um, Victor McGuire, uh, Jennifer Ellison, and I want to give, oh, and Kevin McNally, who is, um, uh, Bouquet, I think is how you say it, um, or Bouquet, I think they announced, pronunciated the T, um, and he was in the pirate movies as Gibbs, like the, uh, second, second mate, or first mate of, uh, Jack Sparrow. Yeah, he's not quite as recognizable in this movie, because he's, like, the stagehand i guess is what his official title would be um and then uh the writers of this are gaston larue and andrew lloyd weber um or at least for the book and screenplay and um based on the novel guest oh that was the guy and then joel schumacher also helped with the screenplay um and from what i read uh andrew lloyd weber cast emmy russom um with gerard butler like he he was very adamant um I had a crazy experience watching this because um, she looked familiar when I'm looking at the IMDb page and I'm watching the movie and I'm like, man, I really recognize her, but what do I know her from? And I don't know if you've ever watched Shameless. No, uh, my friend was just talking about an episode today. Yeah, well, Kathy got really into it and like has watched like all the seasons. and um, She just announced her departure from that, apparently. Oh, interesting. That will upset Kathy. Uh, but so I've watched I watched like the first three or four seasons with Kathy and I stopped because it's just it it's kind of a depressing show because it's like a lot of the worst of humanity um, on display and it gets a little like it I felt like it jumped the shark pretty quickly uh, in like season three or so but um, it she's like the main girl in that and I I was blown away because before seeing um, before watching the Phantom the only thing I'd seen Emmy Rosem in was on shameless and she is nothing like the character she plays in phantom of the opera and i would have never guessed she's like such a talented singer because i went digging because i'm like when i realized who it was i took a picture and sent it to kathy because kathy had no interest in phantom of the opera 
and I was like, do you recognize her? She's like, yeah. I'm like, she's singing. Like, and Kathy's like, oh, wow, I had no idea. And then I started reading, and she did, like, opera when she was, like, 10 years old. She was in, like, actual, like, musicals, um, you know, on stage as opposed to, like, uh, movie musicals. And, um, like, I was just totally blown away. I had no idea, like, her other career. Like, I only knew her as this actress from Shameless. Um, and, uh, and then this movie, though... Um, it's one that for years people have been like, you've never seen Phantom of the Opera? And I'm like, no. I was surprised at how many of the songs I knew, though. And I still am not sure where I've heard them. Um, but like, I knew like the main song, and I think two of the other songs I've heard before. Uh, I am fairly confident I've never seen Phantom of the Opera unless I went to a performance as a kid that I just have blacked out, like, of my mind. But, um... The meta score for this movie is only a 40, but it's a 7.3 IMDb user score. Um, I, let's start with you, Corey. What were your thoughts of Phantom of the Opera? Because, listeners, if you haven't heard the other episodes, Corey's not super thrilled that we're doing musicals this month. So I feel like even that's kind of being... Um, I'm not happy about it at all. Oh. I'm sorry. Um, I didn't like it. I mm. mean... Not surprising. I felt like it was very repetitive. It was way too long, especially since so much. I didn't feel like a lot really happened. Or yeah, take that long. No, um, I I agree with the length. I, I two and a half hours almost, and it it was not. Uh, I don't think it was needed because it it does get a little redundant. Um, it feels like we could trim a good. 30 minutes off easily uh just by cutting out some of the the back and forth with him threatening things and then nothing happening and then threatening things it's like and okay get to a point where they're just like singing old songs just back and forth and over each other and i'm like why <laughs> i heard it before guys i don't know well and then speaking of singing um was i thought em- emmy rosam was great when she was singing I'm not sure about some of the other cast members. Did you have any... Were there any standouts that you thought were just... Shouldn't be singing? Um, no, because I feel like everyone already knows how I feel about musicals. I feel like most of the people in musicals can't sing, and I wouldn't want to hear them anyways. Um, I also did some reasoning on Amy Rosam and was kind of surprised by that. Um, I mean, she's... It's not... So I don't think I could ever go to an opera because I can't understand enough of what they're saying to mm-hmm. get the story. So thank the heavens for subtitles oh. because some of it I would have just missed. I definitely think I missed some stuff. Um, and I, it, it didn't click with me in a lot of ways. And I, I like romance. Like I'm not one of those people who is just like, oh, romances are lame. Um, but I don't know. I have to feel like I understand the romance. Yeah, and, like, I thought there was going to be more, like, intrigue and mystery to the movie than there really was. Like Same! I thought there was going to be, like, this building, too, of... that. Uh, yeah, I just thought that I... I don't know. Which, I guess, we, we try not to spoil anything, so we won't get into that too much, but um, I, I didn't think Gerard Butler was the best singer um, and I, I, I don't think Patrick Wilson did a bad job, but I was really uncomfortable watching him sing with that hair. Like, I was going to say with the long hair. 
long hair. Yeah, just because he doesn't have a, the face to pull. The, I don't think he he was cast right. Like he's got, he's not a bad looking guy or anything, but he's not like, I don't know. He's not that type time period. Like the hair you see him in in most movies fits him like perfectly. You know the short cropped hair. He's kind of nerdy, but not quite nerdy. You know, like he's somewhere in the middle of like, like I think that front. He's a good normal guy. Yeah. Yes, he is almost vanilla you know when it comes to to actors um patrick wilson yes he's a good actor and i I don't think he necessarily sings poorly um but there's just some stuff and there's some dialogue in this movie that is just ridiculous like when she first gets uh taken by the phantom like early this is early in the movie folks so it's not a spoiler like i that shocked me too i didn't think she was going to interact with the phantom for a long time and then, like, you learn almost immediately that he's been teaching her how to sing. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not what I thought this movie was going to be whatsoever. Um, but there's, like, when she first leaves with the Phantom, Raul's, like, locked outside her room. And he's like, who's that talking? And then it just ends. Like, we don't see him anymore. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess he gave up that easy. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> I guess she left. Um, I, I do want to say, though, like, the opening of the film... Um, and the framing device of the film also, I feel like, uh, which is, it starts off black and white, and we we meet this old guy who we don't know who it is for a good chunk, so I'll leave that out because that, I guess, technically could be a spoiler. Um, but the opening sequence is they're in this opera house, and there's, like, it's damaged, and there's all this stuff, and uh, they raise the chandelier that they say since the night of the Phantom, like, they mention the Phantom, and as they raise the chandelier, the the fire on the chandelier ignites it's not candles because it looks like it's like oil based or something because they all just start to ignite and as they ignite and it raises it spreads the color and it also like shatters all the dust off the opera house and restores the opera house to its glory days and that's us traveling back to the events leading up to its destruction and i did think visually that was a really cool sequence like that was probably my favorite part of the whole movie was that opening from black and white to color i thought was really cool agreed well don't talk their ears off well there's something there's something more particular that i want to talk about as far as visual there are a couple things i want to talk about visually but i think that we should well um i i would say i definitely liked it more than Corey. i still don't think it's a it's definitely not one of my favorite musicals. That's there are the critics here. Yeah, there are two good songs. I think. Um, I think the Phantom music, the organ that like plays the Phantom of the Opera, you know, it's, it's like the Phantom of the Opera or that whatever. I can't sing, folks. Sorry, um, but I really like that song. Like that's the first song. Like the two sing together, the Phantom and um, and Christine. Um, I like that. And then I don't remember what the other one is now. So maybe I only like that song, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely leaning uh, towards that same score. Um, I can't... I had a few people, because I posted on Instagram. Um, I saw. And I had a few people respond. Um, a co-worker of mine um, said that this was, like, a, a regular rotation of, of movies for her, like, back when she was in high school and college. And we talked about it today in, like, more detail. And this this movie, Moulin Rouge, Rent... And she said a couple other films that she had like a like the stack of DVDs never left her, the player like they were just always right there because those were in constant rotation and I just I still I can't imagine watching this movie like that because it's so long and I 
like I can do that with La La Land, and I could probably do it with Singing in the Rain because I love the music in those two films. Like I could see myself just throwing those on and and letting them play and and doing other stuff while those are in the background. Um, but this movie, I I can't imagine it. Like there were parts of this that felt like torture to me, and so um, got some laundry folded. Yeah, I, I was distracted several times during this movie. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I kept trying not to be distracted, and then like my phone would just suddenly be in my hand again. I'm like, stop, stop phone. Um, so I, I did make myself take some notes because of that. Because like, if I'm finding that I can't, uh, keep my hands from like flipping open my phone, I'll start typing notes out so that at least I'm having to be present. Yeah, exactly, and. <clears throat> there's some big gaps in my notes though where i i even gave up on that where i was just like no i'm done um oh no and i had to pause it several times too which i don't like doing but like i i kept having to get up and it was like i had the volume up like way louder than normal but the the speaking moments were so quiet to me compared to the music moments and so like i kept having to adjust my volume um so yeah that's uh the non-spoiler review um uh, we both are not big fans um I don't think either of us are going to say it's a void like the plague, uh, which we will give our actual rating towards the end, but I don't think either of us hate it that bad. But if you haven't seen the movie, it is currently on Netflix, so you can stop the podcast right here. And Corey? Guys, from here forward, spoilers, you have been warned. We're going to talk about the movie in great detail. And <laughs> we shall not hold back, folks. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Corey, what was the visual part you wanted to jump into? Okay, so I liked, um, probably my favorite thing, and this is probably such a small thing, but I love how they show us how the stage is lit up with the, like, little, they're not candles, but the little flames around the, Mm -hmm. you know, edge of the stage. I freaking love that so much. Mm. But there was another part that I absolutely hated um, when they're going through the catacombs mm-hmm. and those stupid freaking arms with the candelabras that they're like raising from the water and stuff just like or they're like just coming out of the wall and holding the candelabras and like mm. waving yeah i must have like i i don't recall specifically is that when they're going to his room like his like house i guess you could say yeah i get yeah i can't remember yeah I... and I think that that's also the part where they had that cheesy ass song where I was like it they were like trying to have like some 80s hair band guitar in the background with it and I just couldn't do it. Um I did I like Minnie Driver's character a whole lot cuz she's like the diva. Um I think they actually call her the diva. That she really is a singer too. I didn't know that. I had no clue that yeah. she was a singer. Um I think she's recorded maybe a couple albums. And I was also like I didn't recognize her at first because I don't think I've ever heard her with that accent. And um, the movie that I'm most familiar with her in is uh, Gross Point Blank, which I'm a big fan of. Again, um, um, John Cusack, and uh, he's a hitman, goes to his high school reunion. Have you ever seen that? I think that I've seen some of it. I know her from The Riches the most. Oh, is that the um, Eddie Izzard? Eddie- yeah, I I had not seen that. Um, or they're con artists. Well, there are only two seasons, so yeah. And um, yeah, she's on a bunch of stuff. I mean, I've seen some of the other stuff she's done. Like obviously, I've seen Goodwill Hunting. Um, mm-hmm. 
but it's been a long time since I've watched Good Will Hunting. I really need to rewatch that actually. But um, I am I'm a big fan of uh, Gross Point Blank, which I, I haven't seen too many times, but I've I've saw that probably at least four or five times because again I'm a big Cusack fan and um, uh, so I'm not super familiar with her, but I still didn't like immediately recognize her, nor did I know that she was a singer um, ahead of time. So. Yeah, that was, um, I thought her character was funny, although her singing's not great, but it's bad on purpose. Yeah, I felt like it was supposed to be. And I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be bad, or if it was just so high that it hurt people's ears, because, like, the custodians or the janitorial staff were, like, plugging their ears while she was singing at one point, and I'm like, is that because it's bad, or is it because she's so loud on her, like, notes hurt their ears, because it sounded bad to me. But I'm also not, like, a big opera listener, so, like, you know, sometimes when you're hitting those big notes, it's just... Ugh. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. so... Um, but, like, I, I'm I'm not a big Gerard Butler fan. Like, I, he's done a couple of things that I really like, but um, I, I thought he was not great here, and I honestly thought <sighs> the makeup when he took his mask off was not enough. Like, no. I, I'm just like, that's why you're hiding, like, they could put some stage makeup on that and it'd be just fine. Yeah, yeah, it's nowhere near as severe as, like, um, I've never seen the Universal Studios, like, Phantom of the Opera from back in the, the monster days, but I've seen, like, the, the character and his face is, like, disfigured, and then I saw some of the makeup, though, like, I googled Phantom of the Opera, um, face or something, because I wanted to see... Because they've obviously done a lot of different versions of this on stage and stuff. And some of the versions on stage look real bad. Like, worse than this. Like, which I guess in theater it's going to be a little, you know, it has to be more practical and um, it has to stay on. You and know? they can't <laughs> do touch-ups, yeah. Yeah, so I get that, but it's still like some of it looks real, real bad. But even like like his backstory and then how he turns to killing so fast. Um, well... Go ahead. Sorry. Well, and that that was one of the shockers to me is I did not expect to see a guy hung in the middle of a, a opera performance. Like I didn't realize how dark this story got. You know. I I expected it to be dark, but I just felt like there was going to be some more. See, I guess in my head, build up. To what it. I I don't know. What I went into this thinking was, um, Christine was a great singer that he had a crush on that he kidnaps her and we have like the Florence Nightingale effect where she falls in love with him and sees that he's a tender person who's just uh shy right like that's yeah that's what I thought this movie was or not even the movie the the whole story of Phantom of the Opera which is that story has been told kind of it's Beauty and the Beast what I just described right like he forces her against her will but then she sees the the softer side and really realizes he's misunderstood the Phantom's not misunderstood um like, well, I mean, I guess he is because some people don't think he, he exists and he's not a ghost. Um, but I, love, I loved all his demands. Yeah. That these new owners that just don't know what's going on. They fill up his box. And was he how much was he getting paid? Like 20,000? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, it was something. I mean, I don't think it wasn't dollars. So it's tw- it 20. It sounded like a lot, though. Anyway. It, it did sound like a lot. And then I'm also like. I'm guessing the one woman who, like, later we get the backstory that she's the one who hit him in the, the opera house when he was, like, he, she witnessed him kill his owner, I guess, because he was, like, in a gypsy freak show, and, um, 
she witnesses him kill the owner and she hides him away from the cops because she feels bad for him madam geary and um i'm guessing she like buys him supplies with the money because otherwise i'm like well you don't leave the, the opera house so what do you do with the money like why do you need twenty thousand dollars <laughs> or whatever it was? So he can buy a really sweet diamond ring, or a bunch of candles. Because oh my god, how and many lots candles? Lots of velvet. Lots of velvet. Yeah, and a cape, um, a very nice cape. Um, a wedding dress. There was a wedding dress. Um. Also, does it bother you how old he is? Because if she has a friend there that seems to be about her age, and then Madame Geary is her friend, and like fellow dancer's mother mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i'm thinking they're like in their 50s and these girls are young yes it definitely i mean but to be fair like he's not right in his head so it's not like you know what i'm saying like it's not like he's the he's not the hero and i don't feel like raul is the hero and that's one of the things that bugs me it's like i don't really like anybody well no and i so i he, I don't understand with like the Phantom and Christine. He's obsessed. That's creepy. Raul, he hears her sing one time and they're in love. Well, they knew each other and he didn't give a crap children. about her until he hears her sing. So, yeah, totally not a good guy, right? Like, he had no interest in her. We see her like, oh my god, it's Raul. And Raul is like, just like, whatever, I'm this long locked blonde guy. And then he hears her sing. He's like, oh, wait a second. I remember Thanks, you. Please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. There's some. There's so many little cheesy parts. Um, her friend that you mentioned is played by Jennifer Ellison. Her name's Meg in the movie. And at the end of the film, when Phantom has kidnapped Christine, and Raul has been, you know, chased after, and then she, he's threatened, you know, I'm gonna kill him, or you'll marry me, and I'll let him go, or whatever. Um, when the cops show up, and at that point, like. The Phantom's given up, and Raul and, and Christine are going to get married, I guess. But when the cops show up, Meg is leading the charge. And she just goes, like, walking right into the Phantom's lair. And, like, it, like she's got a gun or something. She has nothing. She's unarmed. But she just goes stomping in, looking through all the stuff. And I'm like, what what world is this that they're letting a, a civilian just waltz into a crime scene? Like... I, I get this is like the old days, but come on. Like, I didn't buy that for a second. Also, though, why would she want to do that? Your friend was just kidnapped by this crazed maniac. You've seen him hang somebody. Hang back. You know, let the let the cops do their job. Like, that part bugged me so much. And I know it's a freaking opera, but still. Mm. Apparently it did not bother you, but... I, at that point, I... I don't know. You're just I like, I, out, like, I just wanted it in. to end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, and then last night, I haven't been feeling good this week. And then I made it through like two hours and I just didn't feel good. And I couldn't make it through the last 23 minutes. And then it was like hell, like making myself watch to the last 23 minutes last night. I was like, God. Yeah. Well, that's, it was I... just so long. It could have been an hour and 30 minutes. Yeah. And a lot of the musicals that we're going to be looking at are longer. Um <sighs> That does seem to be a, a common trend with musicals. I'm not sure why. Um, if you keep it, like, if there's story, I'm, I'm and, in, but, like, man. And, like, you've already said, like, you don't mind a slow burn. I don't mind a slow, a slow burn either, but give me something to be interested in. Yeah, because I, I, like, I didn't dislike Christine, but at the same time, she's very young and naive. Um, 
she's not like I feel like there's too much going on because there's that whole arc with like the diva with Carlotta, Mini Driver's character. Like I'm like she should have been fired, and that needs to end at that point. You know, like she quits, Christine steps up. I'm done with Carlotta. I don't need the drama of Carlotta still wanting she the job. She comes back, and then yeah, it's yeah. like there's too many like stories weaving in and out for no is real that, reason. Like the thing though, especially I mean, a it's a freaking musical, but also it's an opera. Is it supposed to be overly like disgustingly dramatic? I would say yes. I definitely think melodrama is a part of the opera, um, and and humor, and like we see them like performing another opera, and there is like innuendo and puns like there's it's all there and that's fine and maybe maybe it is um not being familiar with that style of musical like i don't think i've ever really seen an opera and i'm not 100 percent sure that this is an opera right because just because it's called phantom of the opera well how's that really blah, 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 that's singing you're right stylistically but see i don't know what qualifies as an opera like does it have to be in a different language um does it have to be like Italian, traditionally, right? Like, or at least that's my understanding of many opera singers. I, I'm showing my ignorance here. This is definitely not an area I've ever had the opportunity to, uh, or the the motivation to explore. I don't know if I'd want to. Yeah, and I feel like even when you watch like people and movies going to operas, they already know going into the opera what the opera is about. They already know like the storyline. I can't think of like movies right off the. Top. Oh, when we watched. Um, Mo- was it Moonlight with Cher? Didn't they go to an opera? And uh, they were moon- Moonstruck. Moonstruck. They Gosh, did go to an opera. It. Yes. And I felt like I heard that they were talking about, oh, well, this is blah blah blah, and they're like, and I can't remember other movies that I'm, you know, but I feel like the people that are at the operas already know everything that's going on. Yeah, like they've seen that same opera many times, or or they re- research the heck out of it. Yeah, that that is, I mean, that's maybe a trope. Because they're making sure the audience knows about it without showing the whole opera, that could okay, be fair that could be what that's for, and that would make sense. Because like, if you assume that we're watching a Nicolas Cage and Cher movie, we may not be the most versed in opera. Um, what? And no offense to that movie, I love that movie. Cher but is a queen. She and she, I actually have come <laughs> to agree with that statement. Um, but I um I I wasn't attached to almost anything in this movie, and. No. Well, there's some good stuff. Actually, was I think uh, the one takeaway because I was very um, overly critical about Joel Schumacher coming into this movie because of Batman and Robin, and um, I was talking to uh, Big Tuna while I was watching it because we were I forget what we were talking about. It was something with a movie or something that was something was going on, and um, I said I was watching this. Oh, he just saw uh, Miseducation at Cameron Post, which I saw at South by uh, I saw at Tribeca. And um, I really love that movie. And he he was we were talking about that. And I was like, I'm watching Phantom. And he's like, I liked it, but he hated Gerard Butler singing. But I said it um, it does kind of remind me of like if Batman and Robin had singing in it, like because it is over the top and big bombastic stuff, which is a lot of my complaints about Batman and Robin because that's not Batman or Robin. Um, but I do think he's got some really cool visual style. Um, and he also directed Batman Forever, which I'm much more forgiving of than a lot of other people. Um, I, I don't hate Jim Carrey, although he is basically just Jim Carrey wearing spandex. He's not really being the Riddler. He's being Jim Carrey's take on the Riddler. Um, I, I don't like the take of Two-Face as a, as a sidekick almost to the Riddler. Um, 
and I didn't hate Val Kilmer. A lot of people hated on Val Kilmer. And Chris O'Donnell was not a bad casting for Robin, I don't think. But Batman and Robin hate so, so, so much. Um, and I do blame Schumacher for, for that, like, odd interpretation, the bat nipples. Um, <laughs> and uh, it is... Um, this movie, though, I think, like, especially, again, that opening sequence, and you pointed out a lot of the uh, the set design and stuff is really gorgeous. Like, there's a lot you can take in in, in this movie, and I can totally see why it might click for some people's sensibilities um it did not for me and i I don't see even though i like the one song i don't see like putting it on like a a playlist or something you know like i have a a playlist of musical songs that i really like and i don't see putting that on there like i wouldn't want it to just come on while i'm listening to music so it's just not for me i don't think um what do you want to give the rating Corey? (laughs) <laughs> I still kind of want to give it a point like the plague. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. I, I was wrong when I predicted that, folks. Yeah, I was just quiet. Um, I I'm gonna oh Jesus, I am gonna say, um, <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna go not a total waste of time. Um, I I want to lean towards decent watch, but realistically, like I don't I don't feel that way. Um, I don't think it's a void like the plague because I do think. It's a classic story, I guess, at this point. Like, it's a, f- a play many people are familiar with. I know people love it, and so there's got to be something there. Um, a lot didn't work for me. I do think Emmy Rossum is great, and I've probably... I think I've pronounced her name four different ways now. Um, I thought she was really great in the movie, and I don't necessarily like her character. I don't get what's going on. And Christine's young, so maybe it's the naivety. Um, and I really thought they were going to play up, like, her, her father's death a little more. Um... Oh, the framing device, so real quick, is it's Raul, is the old man, and he buys the, the music box, and he brings it to her, and then at the end of the movie, there's the rose with the black ribbon, implying the Phantom's still alive. And, and he, wasn't the diamond ring there, too? Oh, I didn't notice the diamond ring, maybe. Um, possibly, but if the Phantom's still alive, he's gotta yeah, be like... he's like 100 now. Over 100, right? Because Raul looks old as crap. Like... So yeah, I don't I don't know what that was supposed to be. Is he actually a phantom now? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so that's that's part it. Two. Yeah, part two, the <laughs> actual phantom of the opera. Um, so our next episode of Movie Club, uh, we are going to be watching um, a film from 1954, which might be one of the oldest films we've watched. Uh, um, if I'm Probably. not mistaken, um, uh, it's a Star Is Born. Uh, starring, this is the second version of this film. Uh, the fourth version is set to come out this month, uh, directed by Bradley Cooper, starring Bradley Cooper with um, Lady Gaga. And I forget what her actual name is, but I think she's billed as her actual name also um, for a change. But uh, the 1954 version of A Star is Born was the return of Judy Garland. Um, she had kind of fallen off of her fame after Wizard of Oz and stuff. Um, and it also has James Mason who I know from North by Northwest first, but he was also in Lolita, the Stanley Kubrick film that we watched last year. Um, Yes, he's the guy who is with Lolita, (laughs) Uh, but he's a terrific actor. But um, this is the second iteration of A Star is Born. Um, It has an 89 Metascore and a 7.8 IMDb user score. Uh, However, I mentioned that musicals are often long, Corey. This one is set at 2 hours and 34 minutes. I'm out of here. You're going to have to find a replacement. (laughs) But because uh, technically I picked this one also, but um, 
I kind of forced Corey to pick it because I knew she hadn't seen it. And I think it makes sense that we give this one a go uh, for two reasons. One, Judy Garland's supposed to be terrific in this. And you like Wizard of Oz, right? I hate Wizard of Oz. Are you kidding me? How do you hate Wizard of Oz? I do not like that movie. It's one of my dad's favorite movies. I watched it so many times as a kid, and that shit is terrifying. Okay, I can agree with terrifying, but that's not a bad thing. You like horror movies. Yeah, but I don't want to see flying monkeys trying to be murderous. I don't like that movie. Okay, well, we're going to be watching A Star is Born, (laughs) and Corey sounds like she's super stoked for it. Um, We'll be back next week to review that. Uh, In the meantime, um, you can rent that uh, Star is Born on any digital platform i do not believe it's streaming for free anywhere but you can follow us on social media i'm at burke reviews Corey, at Corey r star and you can read all of our reviews um and uh what's coming this month on netflix and such at burkereviews.com um thank you for listening please share rate and review our podcast and until next time keep watching movies do you like movies do you like podcasts or are you just lonely if the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movie verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>